Hey everyone, and welcome to the HVMN Research Roundup, a series where we explore the newest, most interesting, and sometimes the most controversial studies in the field of nutrition, metabolism, and human performance. I'm here to walk you through these studies from the top down and share my thoughts and insights along the way. Today, we're talking about training, specifically what happens when you overload or overtrain, which can happen in sporting and survival situations. A recent study that made headlines around the world looks at the nutritional intervention of the ketone ester and how it mitigates negative overtraining effects. Overload training is a strategy used by virtually every single athlete. In order for a muscle or energy system to improve in size, strength, or endurance, it must be challenged regularly and intensely. You gotta overload it on occasion. Pushing the body right up to its maximal capacity results in beneficial stress to strengthen it. It's what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. With proper recovery and nutrition, overload training leads to adaptations that makes the body stronger, faster, and better in the long term. This is what is known as functional overreaching. But what happens when you train and don't allow ourselves enough time to recover and repair? The result is injury. Typically, training drives anabolic signals, anabolic referring to growth, and too much work and not enough recovery leads to catabolism. A catabolic state is a breakdown state. This is known as non-functional overreaching. If an athlete is in this state, nothing will help besides rest and recovery. And it might take weeks of downtime to bounce back from a bad spell of overreaching. In the case of overtraining, the more serious form of overreaching, it might take months of hardcore recovery to get an athlete back to baseline. If you're like me, extended forced downtime is something I want to avoid. The goal of every athlete is basically balancing training and recovery to ride a fine line between optimal performance and working too hard. But this isn't just for athletes. For people like myself who aren't professional athletes but still very curious and interested in living a long, healthy, active life, we also need to find our own balance between training and recovery. Proper nutrition is one way to promote recovery from workouts and mitigate overtraining risk. For the most part, athletes are advised to prioritize post-exercise intake of protein and carbohydrates, or even considering antioxidant supplements for recovery. There is some decent evidence here, but what's the latest and greatest physiological understanding in this area? Research on the application of ketones for the management and performance is being conducted now, and it's an exciting area of research. And the paper we'll be diving into today paints a very bright future for this application. This study is titled Ketone Ester Supplementation Blunts Overreaching Symptoms During Endurance Training Overload. And this was recently published in the Journal of Physiology in April 2019. The work was led by Professor Peter Hesbel at KU Levan, who heads the Belgian research team conducting this study. Hesbel also works with the Quick Step Pro Cycling Team and the U-Place BMC Pro Triathlon Team. Clearly, these findings might have direct application to his athletes, making the work all the more interesting. The study was designed to mimic what a team of cyclists might experience in something like the Tour de France. Clever, very useful stuff. The group conducting this study set out to answer this simple question. Can ketone ester supplementation during endurance exercise training prevent symptoms of overreaching? The group hypothesized that the ketone would help lessen the effects of fatiguing endurance training and maybe even enhance endurance performance during and after the hardcore training stint. The study didn't necessarily look at how ketones acutely influence exercise performance, but rather how consistent supplementation could affect recovery and training capacity. So long-term, not just one short-term boost. Let's take a look at how the study was set up. Participants in this study were 18 young, healthy males 
who the authors classified as physically active. These weren't Ironman or Tour de France cyclists, but they weren't couch potatoes either. Researchers split them into two different groups, and this determined which nutritional intervention they got. However, regardless of the nutritional intervention, everyone was placed on the same training program. A three-week endurance training regimen with a total of 28 sessions, often two training sessions per day. That's about 10-11 workouts per week. Training was specifically designed to be overload training. The major difference in each of the groups was what type of nutrition they received after the training. Whenever they finished a workout, each group was given a protein-carbohydrate-rich drink to promote recovery. And in one group, the experimental group also received 25 grams of a ketone ester, the one in HVMN ketone, with the recovery beverage. The same group also consumed another ketone ester right before every workout and another prior to going to bed. And if you're counting, yes, that's three HVMN ketone esters consumed per day. The other group, the control group, were given a drink with the same volume and consistency three times per day. But instead of ketones, it contained a blend of medium-chain triglycerides, MCTs, and flavors to mimic the exact taste of HVMN ketone. This is what's known as a blinded study. The participants had no idea if they were getting the ketone or the imposter. Studies do this in order to make sure that any effects we've seen are due to the treatment and not the placebo effect. So what did they measure? One of the primary outcomes was performance. At the beginning, middle, and end of training, each participant completed a 30-minute cycling time trial and a 90-second sprint. They also performed a 120-minute endurance test on day 18, about halfway through the study. Why all of these tests? Well, these tests would allow researchers to see two things. One, are the participants improving with training? And two, is the training leading to overreaching? If the training was too harsh, performance might start to decline. In addition to performance, they also assessed body composition, bone mineral content, and several indicators of mental health recovery and stress. They wanted to know exactly how the subject's bodies were responding, but also how their minds were handling the training. A slew of blood biomarkers were also analyzed that might just be associated with overtraining. Blood samples were taken at various study time points and analyzed for beta-hydroxybutyrate to validate the subjects were actually in ketosis, and blood markers relating to overreaching, things like the hunger hormone leptin, ghrelin, GDF15, osteocalcin, the inflammatory markers IL-6, stress hormones like cortisol and ACTH, plus immune-related T-cells and blood glucose. This study was many things and comprehensive was one of them. So what happened? In the ketone ester supplemented training group, time trial performance improved 4.9% in the post-test. But interestingly, also after three and seven days of recovery. In fact, their performance was actually better during the recovery period than right after training. But what about the group not given the ketone? Time trial performance only improved after day seven of recovery. This is classic overreaching. The ketone ester group also had 15% higher power output during the ultra-long two-hour endurance test than the control group. For both groups, power output declined during the 90-second sprint in the post-test period, and this only returned to normal after three days of recovery. Let's go over some of the key results briefly. Many hormonal biomarkers indicated more stress in the control group versus the ketone ester group. Nighttime release of adrenaline and noradrenaline increased as a result of training. In addition, both groups indicated that they might have been approaching overreaching based on self-reported questionnaires. Total stress scores went up while recovery scores went down. Another interesting finding related to the participant's heart rate. During overreaching, an imbalance is sympathetic, the fight or flight, 
and parasympathetic, the rest and digest activity, leads to a lower heart rate, a classic sign of overtraining. Ketonester intake, while not totally preventing this, led to a less of a decline in the heart rate, which means that this likely allowed the group to exercise harder and prevent some of the autonomic system imbalance. In terms of working harder, this was actually confirmed by the study, since by week three, the ketoester group had a 15% higher training load output than the control group. One strength of this experiment was a training program, which definitely led to a state of physiological overreaching as confirmed by multiple different measures, including appetite suppression, hormone dysregulation, performance impairment, and lower mental well-being. Importantly, the ketone ester group, who were consuming three ketone ester drinks per day, experienced significantly less impairment in many of these outcomes. It basically showed that a lot fewer signs of overreaching were achieved no matter which outcome was measured. And that's huge. A few nuanced results are also pretty important. First of all, what happened to food intake and appetite in the ketone group? While the control group kept their calorie intake constant throughout the training and actually ended up in a calorie deficit, the ketone ester group actually increased intake of food to match their increased energy expenditure. They were actually able to balance their energy needs, perhaps because they actually maintained their appetite. This actually might be a crucial reason on why they were able to stave off overtraining and improve performance. Perhaps they were simply better fueled throughout the study. This might possibly confound the results, but it also suggests that exogenous ketones might be having some sort of effect on appetite regulation for athletes in training that hasn't been well understood just yet. And to drill down into appetite, this study uncovered a novel appetite-regulated hormone that might have played a role in how much food the athletes consume during this overtraining block. This hormone is called growth differentiation factor 15 or GDF15. The authors propose that this might be a novel, undiscovered biomarker for overtraining. And that would be super valuable since no true markers really exist right now. Through this study, GDF15 levels roles in the control group suppressing appetite while in the ketone group, GDF15 levels were much lower, perhaps allowing the athletes to actually consume and eat as they were hungry. Simply being in the metabolic state of ketosis might not have been responsible for the beneficial effects per se. Interestingly, blood levels of DBHB were actually not that different during the training between the groups. They were actually both in ketosis at the post-test time point at rest throughout training, confirmed through blood measures. The major difference, however, was right after exercise, when intake of the ketone ester increased blood BHB to about 2.6 millimole. While speculative, maybe this difference alone was enough to promote recovery and negate some of the catabolic effects of training. And it's been shown that consuming a ketone ester along with protein and carbohydrate during post-exercise can enhance muscle glycogen replenishment and protein resynthesis. These results double down on the positive data on ketone ingestion for endurance athletes. Past studies using ketone salts have led to GI distress and actually impaired performance. However, in this study, which is reconfirmed by a number of studies with ketone ester, showed no GI complaints and no difference between the group consuming three ketone ester drinks per day compared to control. The massive takeaway here is that a new nutritional strategy, that is ketone ester supplementation, can be used as a training aid to improve performance and mitigate against the wear and tear from intense training that might lead to overreaching and burnout. In an interview with a European sports website, Professor Hesbel described the potential effects of ketone ester in recovery as unseen, unprecedented, and that the ketone ester's boost was many times greater than what he's seen with other nutritional supplements. Of course, as always, as good scientists, more work needs to be done 
and overreaching is a complex phenomenon. Nevertheless, future studies using HBO and ketone ester will hopefully build on the knowledge gained here. Either way, we'd love to hear your thoughts and story. Please write in to podcast at hvman.com with any questions, topic, suggestions, feedback, and subscribe to our podcast on any of the platforms that you like to use. For my YouTube folks, hit that bell button beneath this video to be notified when we post. Until then, keep up with the self-experimentation, seek out and read the latest research, and strive to be the best human you can be. We're here to help you on your journey.